Hey, everybody, and welcome to Celebrating the Brand Ambassador, where we get down and dirty and reveal the secrets of some of the most outstanding career brand ambassadors, innovators, and brand owners in the cocktail industry. I'm your host, Elaine Duff, and if you like what you hear, please subscribe. Now let's get right into it and meet the personalities behind the brands you love. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so this is version two of my interviews with uh, Gemma and Dominic because we didn't go live last Wednesday because I had technical difficulties. So they have graciously said to do it again. So we're actually here. It's Friday night and and, and Dom's got a new haircut since the last I saw him. Yeah. It, look, it looks very nice. And he cleaned it up a little. Yeah, clean it up a little, and Gemma's got a whole new style going on. All right, so for those who might not know you as well, um, I want you guys to introduce yourself, like what brands you work for and what your role is. So Gemma, you go first. So who do you work for? I am National Brand Ambassador with Aberlour Single Malt Scotch, which is right here, if you're not familiar with it. There you go, a little little brand plug. Very pretty. I don't think I've ever had it. It looks lovely. Um, and what is your role for that? You're the national brand ambassador. So, and you're, uh, well, then I'll go to Dominic and then we'll come back. So Dominic, what's your role? So I work for Bernard Ricard. Yes. I work for Bernard Ricard as their, uh, one of their whiskey specialists, one of five whiskey specialists that we have here in North America, working on brands like Glenlivet, Chivas, Redbreast, Greenspot, Jefferson's Rabbit Hole, it goes on and on. (laughs) <laughs> wow, fa- fantastic. Now, when we spoke on uh, Wednesday, this is great that we get to do this again, so I can ask you more specific questions. So, Gemma, your role is a little bit different. So, you've gone from used to work with trade, but now your role, you're working with use at off-premise, and that doesn't just mean liquor stores, that actually means consumers, correct? Yeah, so most, I would say 90% of my focus at the minute is direct to consumer literally just got off a tasting right before I spoke to you with uh I think it was like 25 people that are consumers they're they're regular people um so we've shifted from uh I shouldn't really say shifted because Aberlour has always been a big brand in off-premise mm-hmm. we're still doing a lot of work in the off-premise but uh obviously with the way bars are at the moment we, we can't physically spend a lot of time in the bars. So uh, we figured out ways to still connect with consumers um, virtually, which is what everybody's saying. It is, it is true. But like, be, is, so no, which is amazing. I think it's such a great thing. So you're kind of building brand awareness rather than, so just kind of building brand awareness. And through that, hopefully they'll go out and purchase the product. Um, <laughs> but before that, you were traveling a lot as a national brand ambassador. You were going into markets, you were working with, distributor so when you worked with the distributor were you going into accounts then or was it still working with consumers yeah so how I scheduled it was uh, Monday to Friday so I never did well not usually I didn't do like a day here and a day there Mm -hmm. you know like one minute you're at one part of the country and the next you're somewhere else Uh, we did it as weeks so we took a week at a time we'll we'll do Florida then we'll do Texas then we'll do somewhere else um And it was scheduled. The whole calendar was scheduled out ahead of time, so that we knew exactly how long ahead of time. Because that's a big thing. Like I, that one of the things I hate about being your brand ambassador was always that you know my schedule wasn't my own. Like I would get last minute requests, and I try to always be like, I need at least two weeks' notice. But no, they'd be like, yeah. well. So you were able to actually, your boss and you came up with this plan. 
Yeah, so it 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 needs to be as far ahead as possible. And the local markets were kind of told in advance, you know, this is the plan, this is how it's going to be executed. These are all the things that we're going to cover. In order for us to cover all of these things mm-hmm. effectively, we need as much advance notice. So you can't be chopping and changing things at the last minute. You can't be throwing in an event at the last minute because there's nowhere to put it. So mm-hmm. I would send the schedule out the week before I would travel and it would be packed, completely packed. So they would know like there literally is no leeway <laughs> anywhere. There's nowhere that you can fit anything yeah. else in on a good week. But most of the times it was filled like that because we had so much advance notice. So I would be planning out months ahead of time. With so they were planning work with like, so they would, the distributor sales rep would actually get a notice and be like, okay, so Gemma's coming into market. If you want her to work, you have to book out like, okay, you're going to do work with on this day. Like they would have to actually plan your time or yeah. you could plan. Okay. And then they would both, send it both, to you. Both. both. So okay. they would do what they're capable of doing, being like putting me in touch with uh, the local accounts or setting up staff trainings, you know, things like that, that I couldn't physically do because I don't know the context. Right. But equally we would be doing back end stuff. We would be booking like, consumer events we would book PR events we would be filling in the slots around everything else so there literally was never there no was that's no fantastic open that time. such a smart way of doing things because you know as I'm sure and Dominic and I'm sure you've and I'm sure you've experienced with other brands you would show up in a marketplace you know and they would kind of have a schedule but sometimes you were just thrown to the distributor be like are you going to do work with and there was no schedule and then suddenly they like, would cancel they yeah. would be like and Bye. sometimes they're working on other brands that yeah. instead yeah. of what you're responsible you know, responsible yeah. for. No, I think that it, it is really, really smart. And also, so you can plan your own life, right? So you know exactly where you're going to be like weeks in, yeah. you know, weeks in advance, which is a big thing because you, you have a life. So you need to be able to plan things around it. Like I need to go to the doctors or I need to have a vacation or whatever it is. Yeah. I already know. And I noticed that with, with other national ambassadors that they, that, that, to and fro and being pulled in every direction for a day and a, a day here and two days there is it's they get burned out so fast mm-hmm. they're they they don't know where they are half the time they're not yeah. able to to do it as well because when I at least in my experience when I would go in I would know I am in Texas for yes. five whole days and I was working with that local team constantly for those five days as opposed to just on and off and then you know, pulled back and forward. It 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 was much more in control, which was great. yeah. No, I think I think that's fantastic. And the fact that it came from your brand team, they they arranged it for you. They because they're not going to listen to you if you call up and say, "Hey, I need this to be happening." But they'll listen to the brand, right? Because mm-hmm. the brand's giving them money. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I, maybe if you're a smaller brand, they might not pay them. Being, being part of Pernod definitely probably helps, uh, gives them a little priority. But um, no, I think that's fantastic because it is, you do get burnt out. I used to not know what state I was in half the time and I'd be constantly jumping. And then sometimes you get there and you're like, I just traveled 12 hours across the country and there's nothing. And you've canceled? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's like really disheartening. It's like, oh God. So, and, and so Dominic, so your role is more, uh before COVID you and also even now like you're mostly on the west coast right yeah I would say well my market is California um so California being so big I was all over the place I was mostly in southern California so I spent a lot of time in Los Angeles Orange County San Diego visits over to Sacramento San Jose I mean you know when I left uh San Francisco 
back in 2011, it was more about Los Angeles and San Francisco. And you still had some great bars in San Jose and, and Sacramento, but now it's just every market is so just full of great bars and restaurants that it's, it's had me busy. Now my focus is kind of what Gemma does. I do a lot of virtual trainings as well. And then to the accounts that I can go to in Oakland and San Francisco, I do. I do want to get to Sacramento and occasionally get to San Jose, but mm -hmm. it's, it's it's up to our discretion. The company really is like, if it's if you feel safe, if you want to do it. Um, and most of the time, you know, a lot of the accounts haven't really opened yet. Not until the last month, I would say, that we started doing more uh, indoor and outdoor. Um, right. I think they, yeah. they just got shut down again. Yeah, actually, just, Monday is yeah. uh, shut yeah. down again. Oh, yeah, so virtual will be 100%. <laughs> virtual is 100%. So for you, would did you have to, so do you have like KPIs? Like, you know, do you have to do sales cases? Do you have to do like certain amount of menu places? I don't have you know, that KPIs like that, but that's okay. like, you know, that 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 makes sense to like a lot about 10 years ago with your KPIs, getting your yes. placements. Um, now it's just getting, we, we have KPIs on trainings. Mm -hmm. KPIs on um, working with other companies to work with them to do some trainings and to get their employees involved. So like doing something with Facebook or Google, which we do a lot of trainings with. Um, and, and then KPI on, on working with some of our local reps that we have working with Pernod Ricard. So in San Francisco. And then I still do a lot of work with my LA team too, but I do a lot of virtual work with them. Right. Okay. How do you do virtual work with your... With I mean, your you know what? It's all brand new. So, so I was telling... Uh, uh, class yesterday I was like well I've done everything from I had an LA rep saying hey could you do this uh, virtual it's going to be for about 15 buyers and they're going to be in my backyard for a barbecue and I'm like what wow yeah all right sure so virtually they had me on a big screen tv and That's they, had, amazing. they had 20 buyers all like separated in different tables and they had <laughs> they had a chef come in to, to barbecue for them right and then I, I led them through a Glenlivet tasting and it was a Glenlivet tasting of like high-end marks it wasn't like you're just your average beer so that's so um, creative not that there is average with Glenlivet right. you know but, yeah. but you know <laughs> good brand plug do you guys ever do stuff together because Arbolor is also part of Pernod right when we started we did we did a lot of stuff oh together. in real yeah. life we did yeah we did yeah. a lot of stuff together when we were allowed to do that and then also you know um because she is national so I still do help if people have questions about Arbolor so you know I still do the training so it's still in the portfolio but she's she's the jefe yeah <laughs> Um, very, very cool. Um, all right. So, so now like we talked well, we managed to go into what you guys are doing with COVID, which I think is kind of interesting because it is our, how are you supporting accounts now? If you do go to an account, like, well, how are you, what are you feeling like they need? Like, is it just spends? Is it like they need heat lamps? Uh, it's support. Explain. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you can't say that word. Sorry. What, what, how do you, how do you work with your, with your, your, accounts how do you how do you work with them as anyway yeah well for, for me it would be you know going and supporting and, and and buying my product and making sure you know if i can but you know here we have to eat food so we have to buy a lot of food and we to get it to get one yeah. drink so which is great but usually um you know i mean with social distance it's i, I go to three bars i've had three meals <laughs> i mean at, at some point i'm just like is there anybody there that wants some food to take home because i'll buy it you know and you yeah can take it and i'll just have the cocktail um, but it shifts. I mean, each, each account is so unique and a lot of, a lot of the innovation has come from accounts that have put together their own tasting kits where they're like, Hey, 
if I put together a tasting kit, will you do a virtual training for the people that buy it? Now, absolutely. All right. So what about if I do a hot toddy kit? Let's do it. So it's, it's gone all over the place. I mean, we have accounts that are, you know, just hundred percent doing outdoor dining and then we'll do outdoor trainings and we'll do outdoor tastings. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I've been pretty impressed by the way that accounts have bounced back and, you know, are, are making it work. You know, I had one account that delivered to all over the Bay area mm-hmm. because people wanted to be a part of this virtual tasting for Redbreast, which I was like, this is amazing. That, and that all I had to do was, you know, I've seen and, some great innovation where people I've had seen people saying they've actually hosted virtual like they've used the different Zoom rooms and people break out. So they would take reservations and you would actually come to their bar. So they were hosting you inside their bar and like you would be with your friends in your little room in virtual and like there would be groups of people and they would come and they would host you personally so you'd be in the bar, they'd be in the bar and they'd be hosting you in your room and they'd had drinks, like people had ordered drinks online to their house and the host would be sitting there talking to them and hanging out with them and they got them and then they would move. They'd be like, all right, I'll, I'll check back out on you in a little bit. And they would go to the next room and like literally hanging out and hosting people in their bar in a virtual setting. And yeah. people loved it. You know, they oh, had it's fantastic. They, they really, they, they have like lifelong members of like, thank you so much. It's over in um, Hong Kong. It was incredible. He said, now I know these people, like I got to know them really well because I got to see them every day. So there's been some interesting benefits mm-hmm. in some ways. Like, you know, I think people have expanded their, uh, what they can do uh, new, there's new revenue streams that they never had before. So I think even after this is over, they might continue that. I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, the e-commerce thing is it's just blowing up, and I think we're all still figuring it out, um, which I can tell on a weekly basis. And, it, <laughs> and it's great. It's you know, it's 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 actually a fun time to be. If you asked us, like we talked about a year ago, if we were going to be doing virtual tastings and virtual meetings, we'd all been like, no, I yeah, can barely yeah. do a FaceTime. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would never be the like no, and nobody would want to. But now it's like I think it'll be. I think we'll want the in person again, but I still think it'll be more normal. Yeah. You know what, what I think is great about it is, you know, we do tastings for like off-premise shops and I'll be talking to to the guests and I'm like, Oh wait, you're in Hawaii. You're in New York. You're in somewhere in California. You're in Hong Kong. You know, they just have their fans from the shop and they just come in and I'm like, Oh, you guys are global. This is amazing. So there's people from all over at different times. That That's are incredible. So it, so this, you're actually working with like an off-premise liquor store yeah, they, yeah. So are you my, setting it up and they're they are posting out to their consumers? Because I've heard people do yeah, you know, because they'll they'll they have the kits that they'll have that they make and they'll be like, Hey, can you do the education? We'll sell the bottles, just do the education. I'm like, Yeah, absolutely. So then they'll send them the Zoom link to me and then I come in and I'm like, Thank you for joining us for Glenn Livet or for whatever brand it may be. And that's the good thing. So with with a lot of the shops, they're like, You have so many brands, we can use you every other week. And it's great, you know, because I've learned and I've met and from some of these tastings, because here we're in tech heaven. So from these tastings, I've got a lot of leads into doing VIP tastings and Mm -hmm. other for just private companies and private consumers. So it's been great, you know, because people do want that camaraderie and we're bringing it back to them with this education. So it's still, I think that was that missing link. You know, we miss being around people. And like you said, breaking out into those rooms, being able to bullshit with people. It's awesome. It's great. No, absolutely. No, and so for you, like, just one more nerdy question: Are you able? So, are they sending out like a like a blast to all their customers? So they have a customer database, a database, right? So I'm assuming it has to be a liquor store that's 
a little more established that they have been doing this for a while, like they have a good data. Well, to be honest with you, some of them are figuring it out just oh, like okay. we are. So, okay. I mean, you know, the, the shop that I'm dealing with right now is a very like, it would be like Park Avenue Liquor in New York. They're established okay. and they're kind of like, you know, when you go in there, you're just like, mm, I don't know. They're the beautiful selection, but they can be curmudgeon Yes. Until you talk to them and then they loosen up. But since this has happened, their shop has been so amazing at this virtual setup. They get the kits together. They send it up and they're just like, hey, can you be on this at this time? And you just do the education. Absolutely. You know, and so they're they're wonderful. And it's just I mean, we but can they actually, had to adjust. They had it because they have to send it out to people. Obviously, they, they have to send it out. And sometimes it's hard because I mean, right now we're running out of products, which is a good thing and a bad thing. You know, so they're like, you know, because a lot of these people are now here in California, we're allowed to sell 50 mLs and 100 mLs and, at the bars. And so mm-hmm. people are, now can ship these. Oh, really? And so, you know, it, it depends too, because if you're shipping in California, it's fine. And California can ship to certain states, mm-hmm. certain states they can't. So, um, we even have people that can't get the kits that'll just join in because they want to listen. So, right. you know, it, 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 it's just because they, I think it's more because they want to learn and, and they're learning. I get, I mean, I did one last night and it went really well. I mean, it was fantastic. And this morning I woke up with seven emails asking if they can do one. And the thing is, is that like you, they're set up through the off premise. And so I call him and I'm like, Hey, I have, yeah. I have all of these. And he's like, Oh my God, I don't know if we're going to be able to, do, which is okay. You know, I can go to other shops or, we can figure it out. But since this is like Christmas time, everyone's like, can we do it before Christmas? And I'm like, I don't know. No, I we think that's, of, that is amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And Gemma, you said now that you're able to do so many more of these, uh, like you would, you're doing like four or five in a day yeah. with these consumer events for like different companies, right? Like Google, Facebook, that, and you would never be able to do that. Never. You no, do one. Never, ever. You would do, um, on those weeks that I would have been traveling, I possibly could have done in around everything else that was scheduled, possibly two in a day. And that would have been pushing it. But mm-hmm. usually it was like one consumer event. Um, and that wouldn't have even been five days a week, you know, it'd right. be like maybe you got three consumer events for the entire week. Now we're getting like three, four or five every single day. Because wow. you can turn off your Zoom and you can click right onto the next link. Um, <laughs> it must be exhausting is, though. <laughs> It's, That's a lot. It sounds really silly to say that it's exhausting because you're not doing anything. You're you're sitting still. You're not walking around or doing anything. But it's mentally, it's it is tiring mentally. Um, but it's also invigorating as well. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, I've got two more to go. <laughs> I'm tired, and then you get on, and you're like, woo, because the the customers that are on the other side are so energetic and so happy to be there. So it's. It's great. It's it's going really well. No, that, that's fantastic. So, and you, I remember we talked about the fact that, like, sometimes you know they buy the product. Sometimes you're donating the products, or like, so they're setting. No, they're just whatever you're doing. It it does. It depends on the situation. So, okay. there are groups. I think um, last time we discussed, there there's like groups that have lots of money that like to purchase full bottles for their clients or their potential clients. And they'll, they'll send them a whole one whole bottle of whiskey. Um, or there's other groups that we can send kits to them more like this. So they oh, get cool. that. Yeah. So this is obviously red breast, but yeah. um, a kit like that, that they would be able to taste a couple of smaller things, you know, three different versions. Um, yeah. 
and taste through that way and they are just (laughs) multi-passing multi 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 promoting your brands no i think that's great no because it's it is no matter what even they're purchasing or not i mean obviously purchasing that was better because it's promoting sales but even if they're just tasting it if they're able to then it's probably then leading to them like all right now i i had this i had this experience they feel more connected to the brand so they're more likely to buy it they have an emotional it's, connection because they've met you. It's very, very emotional. It's much yeah. more. I, I find that in a real life situation, it's great. And there, there's there's so much to be said for real life interactions. But a lot of times people check out mentally. They're there in the room, but they're not really there. Mm-hmm. You know, they've like said, oh, I have, to, I have to come to this or my boss is going to be there or whatever. When it's on Zoom or it's on whatever platform you're using, um, they're choosing to be there. They're choosing to, to take an hour out of their day or 45 minutes, 60 minutes. They have the kits. Not, not everybody turns up. It's not It's not like every single <laughs> person always turns up. Sometimes life happens and they can't and they, they'll email and say, oh, bummer, I missed it, whatever. Um, but the people that do tune in are much more engaging, I find. And then mm. they're like, they're sitting like this on the screen, like... <laughs> more and they're chatting in the chat section they're asking loads oh, of questions great. so it's more like I think people are much more comfortable because they're in their own home right so they're like I don't need to engage but I want to I want to, and if and I don't want to easy. I'm not going to but if they if they really don't want to be bothered they're not going to come on the screen you yep. know they'll, they'll just not tune in so the people that are on are, are just it would be I'm great if you could going. track, like, if they do, like, if you could do, like, you know, tracking of all the liquor stores and just being able to see, like, the, the results. But, uh, you know, that's in a, uh, just to see how many people, like, they go, like, where's your favorite shop? Where are you shopping? We, well, we have, you know, we have, like, um, national data. So yeah. we've been able to see from the start of COVID mm-hmm. and the start of our, our change in our programming, we've been able to see the numbers. Yeah. growing and growing in the oh that's fantastic so it's obviously not like 100 percent accurate all of the time but it's it's positive it's been positive for us so we are seeing that like trickle three effect that even if they are just tasting a, a kind of sample version mm-hmm. that eventually it, it is going through into the stores and especially not you know it's holiday time they have that bottle in hand and it's like, it's a, it's a constant reminder if it's sitting in their room, if it's sitting on their bar, if it's sitting in their office and like, Oh, that was so good. I got to get a bottle of it. Yeah. Getting a full bottle. That's even more like they, they can study it. They can take their time with it. It's great. It's been working out really well. Oh, that's great. And I love the fact you said that you're running out of small, like the uh, little 200 mLs because I always heard that companies don't really make any money off of 200 mLs. Like it costs more to produce the 200. Cause I'm, I, I, I think they're the yeah. greatest thing. Um, and oh, as a person great. that ran a shop, it, we had a selection of them and people came in especially for those because they were, we were in the financial district, so people can use those nips in their purses and, you know, take them and they can <laughs> and have really good desk. whiskey or really yeah, good gin. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I don't know, you know, put it in their coffees, you know, so, so it has, it has helped. It has helped a lot. It would be interesting because I've heard in the, in one of the things happening in hard seltzers and canned cocktail is can't, they've run out of cans. They've run out of cans. Yeah. They've run out of cans. And it's not that there's not enough aluminum. There's just not enough, uh, the the factories aren't built enough to keep up with the demand. So people are are building new factories. So 
it'd be really funny to be like the war of the 200 mls and the cans like you know who gets the market faster so uh (laughs) um all right so you two have moved a few times in your life and i bring this up because moving is as somebody who's never moved really i've been living in new york my entire life and until my daughter goes off to college i will probably be staying here in new york for uh a while and um it is something that obviously can change your life for the for the better, or it can be really stressful. So, Gemma, you've moved countries. You moved to New York. Uh, Dominic, you moved from New York, uh, sorry, San Francisco to New York, and now you both have moved to California. So, Gemma, what did you see like the benefit of like how did it change your world? Like, do you feel like it's broadened your eyes, made you a better person? Like, you know, just by moving, like taking that risk. It's it's hard to describe. Actually, you can't. You can't quantify how much it actually does change your life. And yes, whether it's good or bad, you know, it's like every experience in life, you learn something from it, whether it's the worst thing that's ever happened in your life or the best thing that's ever happened, you you learn from it. Um, Moving from Ireland to New York was super exciting. It was like, whoa, what am I doing? This is crazy. This is like... I'm in living in New York City. This is crazy, you know. Um, and you were about to get your MBA. You're about to go to school to get your MBA, right? And like that's a yeah. big, like that's a that big was my choice. that was my balance. Like, <laughs> oh, I've got accepted into this course, and I have an offer to move to New York. Hmm, <laughs> what should I do? And I was sort of like, be sensible, Gemma. Do your masters, and the other side of me was like. When are, when is this opportunity going to come again? You know, that you, you you can go somewhere that you've got a job lined up, that you've got people that, you know, it wasn't like moving to a place like completely alone. I, I had a structure in place. So it was like, right. if, the, if I don't take this opportunity now, it's going to pass and I'll probably end up regretting it. So, and I can do my master's anytime if I wanted to. If you wanted to, which I would, everything is, is very brave. But you said moving to California was more scary. Yeah. Why yeah. Was it I think because I think because I, I was older. So I think moving to New York was like fresh out of university. I just finished my degree. I was like ready, you know, ready to take on the world and didn't really have any, um, responsibilities or anything um not that I really had responsibilities when I moved to California either but I had a network I had I'd been working there for so many years I was was it eight eight Mm -hmm. almost nine years Mm -hmm. um tons of friends people that I could rely on you know like if you need something, you've you've got X amount of people that you can call. You being one of them, yeah. I could like if something happened and it yeah. did happen, <laughs> that I had people to call on and lean on. Um, now you're just a dom. Dom, yeah. Although Dom <laughs> has like obviously a big connection here, I didn't know a whole lot of people, so it was like, oh, I'm like I feel like I'm starting out fresh again. I'm starting yeah. like clean slate again, not really knowing anybody, but. Because my role is national, it it also gave me that opportunity to be, I could have lived anywhere, you know. So it was like, again, when am I going to have the opportunity to do this? Because my job allows me to live anywhere in the country. If I wasn't in this position, I wouldn't physically be able to move to California so easily. So it was kind of like, 
the universe is talking to me. <laughs> no, I, and I, and I do believe it. I just talked somebody out of, you know, talked somebody into moving from Canada to California with their significant partner. And, you know, like, and she called me up and I was very honored that she called me to ask for advice. She's like, Elaine, you were the first person I thought of, like, you know, what's the downside, what's the upside and kind of like talking through, I'm like, it's an opportunity. I'm like, you can always move back. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, and this is an opportunity with her uh, partner in life. Uh, her, it's not her husband, but her partner. Um, and she, you know, and it's a big job for him. And I was like, just have honest conversations. Like he's going to have to support you for a while because you're going to have to get a new job. Like, you know, this mm-hmm. is like, and you know, it's just working through those things, but it is scary. And I remember you saying like, you know, sometimes just having senior people tell you it's okay. Like you're, you were saying some people in Ireland said, no, no, it's okay. Go, go, yeah, yeah go, go that was, my mom like practically shoved me on the plane to New York the first time she's <laughs> regretting it now almost 10 years later she's still like every day you think you're gonna move back to Ireland anytime anytime yeah. I'm like you did this you know it's also changed your career right you were able to advance in your career and and then before we go into that because I want to talk about like moving up in your career and taking those risks of changing companies some people get a little afraid about that and Dominic you moved also you went to East Coast back to West Coast. And I'm assuming it mm-hmm. it enhanced your network and you gave you different experiences. It did. It did. I mean, you know, um, I didn't ever think I'd leave California uh, at that point where I was in well, 12 years ago. I was, you know, madly in love with, with my state. I had left before and went to Hawaii, which was wonderful, but had gotten the bartending bug there and came back to San Francisco and just kind of hit it. And, you know, I was really happy and established, but at the same time, uh, I got in a relationship with someone from New York. And after a year, we had decided that, you know, why not move? And at the place that I was in San Francisco, I was, I just felt kind of stagnant in in my advancement. Um, and I had an opportunity to work in New York at some places like Tipler and then help open basic and then eventually Nomad, which was amazing and great. And, you know, I'm just bartending. I'm not in charge of any programs. I'm not doing anything. So this is what I wanted to get back into. And it was just fun because yeah, in New York where I had come, you know, in the years before and I guest bartended at like death and co or, or painkiller. And, and mm-hmm. it was great. And I saw it and got the vibe of New York and was like, Oh, this is awesome. You know, this is great. So, so the transition was kind of easy for me. I did have nice little friends in New York that was already established. So getting there was kind of, it was a kind of a smooth transition and, you know, I, I did miss California a lot at the beginning, but New York kind of wrapped itself around me. And, uh, you know, I didn't end up, I didn't think I would be there as long as I ended up staying. I was only supposed to be there for maybe a year at the most. And eight years later, um, <laughs> did you I find left. you grew, like, did you learn new techniques here? Like you were saying, absolutely hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, you know, to this day, I always tell people I'm still learning things. You still have to study techniques. You're yes. still learning about what's going on. So yeah, absolutely. Because you have two different beasts. You have California that has produce year round. That's beautiful and gorgeous. New York has great produce too, but it's very seasonal. Right. Yes. And you also have a very classic New York bar scene. That's very, I would say at that time, it was very classic cocktail driven still kind of is right. Um, or at least the cocktails are made in that very spiritual side here in California. You had a lot of people that were making a lot of fruit driven muddled, not I shouldn't say muddled, but there's a lot of innovation here. You have yep. a lot of different flavor profiles that people can use with the, with the, with the spirits. So my style was more of the old school, classic cocktails playing with spirits. I mean, right. I'm, I'm a spirit nerd. I should say junkie. 
uh, first and foremost. Um, I do. I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm just a spirits junkie with a cocktail like habit. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I kind of like cocktails. It's great. But it was more about getting into a new thing and going into New York was wonderful. And I mean, I just got very lucky with the places that I ended up. No, which is made because it is a big experience, like, you know, making that transition and changing and even changing jobs. Like a lot of people I know, they myself included, I worked for Diageo for with all the brands there for almost 17 years. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's how old I am. Um, and, um, you know, I did many different roles and then I worked, became their head mixologist and brand ambassador. And I did that for a long time, too long. And I started getting bored and stagnant and stuff like that. So um, I was very grateful when I got the opportunity to change complete positions and go to Anheuser-Busch and became a global manager and more corporate. And like, I realized I also didn't like that world as much as I thought I would. So, um, but I think there's a thing you've worked, Gemma, you've worked for a couple of different companies. So for yourself, like, do you find you learn at each place and you're bringing new experiences and it's worth kind of maybe staying in a place for a certain period of time, but maybe growing and moving to the next role. And so you find that ultimate job. Yeah, definitely. My first brand position yeah. was with a, with William Grant, actually it's family owned company. Mm-hmm. And I was heartbroken leaving them because I just, it was my first like corporate job. Although it was a, a brand ambassador position, it was still like, not a bartender or a server position um and it when I worked there it was very much a family kind of atmosphere so I was really like sad and scared to be leaving but also the opportunity came again there was an opportunity to move to Pernod Ricard and the the big corporate you know public publicly traded company and I was like oh I don't know like what what's it going to be like you know I'm going from this small family owned um close knit community to this big operation am I going to enjoy it and um, there's only one way to find out so sure. I took that position and learned so much so much in that and that I maybe I could have learned if I hadn't stuck around, maybe, you know, my, my progression would have been different. But for me, it was like a quick learning curve because the companies, those two companies are so different from each other in the, in their ways of working and their kind of, uh, corporate structure and, um, like company ethos and everything is just different. So it was frightening, but it was worth it. Right. Uh, and then also, hopefully the money was different. Like every time you move companies, you should keep getting more money. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You should. You should. You, you should. And, well, and that's the other thing, thing when people, you're in. Yeah. What? When you're in, like if yeah. you stay with one company for 17 years, it's so much harder for you to kind of prove your prove your worth or try to get more you know you you get yep. that like annual little bump little little, that little bump. Gets. yeah I got the fight really but, hard I, I fought really really hard and I kept changing roles but then when I got put in I moved many many times I went from marketing mm-hmm. to events and whatever and then when I got to that head role I mean they didn't have a corporate mixologist I created the job out of out of nothing they didn't know what a mixologist was it was 2005 they were like what is that and why do we need one um, so I was like, here it is. And I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I'm going to figure it out. Uh, but you do, you have to fight a lot harder. And when you move roles, 
And this is something I tell people uh, when I did my personal branding seminar was don't ever tell corporates, corporations how much money. They'll ask you how much money you made your last job. Lie. Just so I don't know. think they're actually allowed to do that. I think I, that's I think illegal. They, they're now making it illegal, which I hope they are, yeah. but I don't know if it's illegal in every state because they will base your new salary on yeah. whatever you made in your last job and only add on 20%. So mm-hmm. I always add on an extra 40,000 to my salary. <laughs> and then, yeah, so that's what I learned because they never the, check. You need to put in like a um, speech bubble. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, um, so <laughs> if you have something ever asked you, <laughs> yeah, if anybody's watching this, always add on at least another 20 grand to whatever your salary is because they're going to add 20% to that. So just so you know. Um, mm-hmm. No, that's right. And, and yeah, exactly. So Dominic, I, I'm ask you and both of you guys. So like there is, we talked about this before and I thought it was really interesting. You know, you've worked for different companies. There are definitely some things I'm sure you've seen companies do really wrong. And one of the things you guys mentioned was like changed visit, like changed the role completely. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like what, what is the biggest mistake you've seen companies make with brand ambassadors that you've worked with? And you're like, well, you know, I've worked with companies like, well, I can't say, but, you know, I've worked with some big companies and I've worked with some small companies before I, I took the Bruno job. And, you know, I think we talked about it earlier. And uh, the one thing that I found was I got a, it hired and it was for my first full time brand ambassador role about 13 years ago. And it was a great position. It was fantastic. The other two ambassadors were from London and they, you know, kind of asked me to join. And it was come, a product coming in the United States. It was a great opportunity. And then after I got hired about three to six months later, they got sold and they got sold to someone that wanted to see numbers for this product. And uh, they made me into a sales rep as well as kind of an ambassador. But the sales rep role was pretty intense. And, you know, I was kind of in a contract, so I couldn't just quit. So I had to I just went to the end of my contract doing you know, learning about that, I should say, because I was coming from on and off premise. So I understood the sales role. It was just, I don't think I was a good as bullshitting about the product as some of these salespeople <laughs> can be. Um, but, it you know, is I hard, right? Why do you think lot. it's hard? Why do you think it's hard? It, like, because people say to me, like, and I've had this conversation just yesterday, you know, a brand ambassador role is sales. Like you are a salesperson. I'm like, not every role is the same. And I do think there's a hard part. If you are a brand ambassador or a mixologist, you, you feel pride of the product you're selling, right? So like you have this thing. So trying to like be swarmy and try to like, and I, and I don't, I, I work with some amazing salespeople and I don't, I don't think they're swarmy at all. They just have a different delivery. Whereas I'm more of the educator, right? So okay. I'm just nerding out on what, what's in the bottle, what the bottle is, how you can use it. And then they're like, well, what do I get on a six case drop? And I'm like, I don't care. It's none of my <laughs> business. You know, it's, it's, I, I mean, I understand. And I do know like the frontline price and that just so I can understand but like when it comes to those things, I'm, I always tell people, I'm like, our, our role is the educator. If, if I have worked for some brands that do want you to do that and have kind of that knowledge, and it's great. And so for those brands I did, I would to come in and be like, yeah, because we don't have, we would work with, say, like Empire as a brand ambassador for many brands, mm-hmm. but they didn't really have like with Bruno, we have specialists that work within Southern, right? right. We didn't have that with Empire. And they didn't, they didn't really care about us. They're like, you're some little small brand that is in our portfolio. Right. I could give us it, but once they see traction coming, and you know, when you, you're pretty much as that ambassador in that situation, you're doing everything. Now, like with our situations, we have managers that help us. We have people that help us. Um, you know, 
and, and you know this, when you show up to an event and you're making the drinks, you're making the punch, you're getting everything prepared, you're putting a table together. And, you know, when I took this position, I was like, all right, what do we need to do? And they're like, we got people doing that. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Oh my God. Just we focus on education. Yeah. yeah. We, and, and, and it's great, but it's, it's also, it was also a great thing to come with smaller brands that where you have to put in that work where you yeah. have to, you know, that's, what's part of the great part of being an ambassador. And I always tell young ambassadors, they're like, well, how do I get it? And I was like, well, to be honest with you, I've bartending for almost 25 years and I really did not want to step out from behind the bar. I love being behind the bar. I love that. And I was like, I think people just need more bar experience as much bar experience before you become, I understand brand ambassador jobs. And I was a victim of that. I took a brand ambassador job quick, quick after like 10 years. And Mm -hmm. it was that quick at that time. I should say kids nowadays take them really quick. Um, And I went back to bartending full-time and I was like, no, that's not what I wanted to do. It was after that, that role that I was just explaining that I was like, "Mm, I'm going back behind the bar. And it's more of a, you know, I learned more. I kept going and it's more because you're not just, you know, you can be pigeonholed with one brand with, with what I have a portfolio. So it's amazing that I get to work with all of these different brands and learn about their education and talk about it. So when you have one brand, which it's been a while since I just had one brand, right. um, it, it can be a nice little... to be an expert on one brand. Like Gemma gets to be like the person. And I was going to say, that is a shock. I always hear people say that because they come from being behind the bar they become a brand ambassador and it's nothing what they thought it would be. No, it's never going to be. It's not like. They see it's, corporate it's, card. Yeah. Corporate card and travel. And it's yeah. so exciting. And it is. Of course it is. But they don't see uh, the everything that happens behind, you know, you come home at night, you close your door and all of the other stuff that has to go on before you get to get on the plane and get to do all the fancy events. Yeah. So I think that's what are the for, unsexy people, things about being a brand ambassador? Like, like what's the least sexiest part of your job? Uh, well, I mean, expenses, <laughs> reports, I would say our, our reports. Yeah. Um, I know there's much more unsexier stuff. <laughs> Maybe just answering emails. Like, right. You have to, no, I don't, I don't mind. That's, emails, a, big, that's but, a big yeah. one. Yeah. Being, being responsive that, you know, timely being responsive to emails that if you're bartending you're used to different hours of working you're not used to having to be like yeah replying to an email right away or especially time our bosses are in new york so our phones are already like by 8 a.m messages and emails so you know it's you're uh, you're already behind and you can't we're already behind like sometimes you have to be out really late i always say you have to be like a part a a business professional and a part-time partier combined because you need to be able to hang but you need to be able to get up and be ready to go at 9 a.m in the morning uh if if not earlier which is you know what people don't expect like sometimes they're like what that's not part of the brand ambassador which Uh, i tell people i'm like i understand like a young brand ambassador in their late 20s they have that juice they have that they can stay out (laughs) all night they can get up early in the morning and they may have a headache but they're not going to be as wrecked as like for me now it's like two days where i'm like oh man yeah, I'm, I'm exhausted. Yeah, no, I, I can't do it anymore. I'm too but I do, lo- I, I am a night owl and I do like staying out. I'm just taking a little more off the drinking and staying out late and kind of, you know, balancing it out. But, but you learn also about, you know, drinking more water, not, not needing to drink cocktails all the time. You yeah. know, it's great because we gonna, do wait, just have- hold that, hold that thought. Cause I was going to say my, I, my question was going to be next. If you could go back, right. When you first started, like, what are some hard lessons you had to learn on the job? Oh, like, I could tell you. you. Trained on, or you just like wish somebody had told you. My first brand that I got hired for as an ambassador, I had to go to this meeting, and it was an LVMH product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's 
they had taken me out and because I had just gotten hired and they were in San Francisco, they take me out and, you know, all the bars we're going to, I know the bartenders. And so they're making cocktails. So I'm like drinking every cocktail, drinking every cocktail. And they're like, all right, we got to be 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. I had a rough morning. I showed up and the woman next to me was like, you know, you didn't have to drink every cocktail. You just take a drink. You don't have to drink them. And I was like, but they're my friends. I can't disrespect them and not drink these drinks. But I learned fast. I learned, all right, yeah, you don't need to. Um, you just want to get those depletions, right? But, yes. you know, you, you do feel like sometimes you felt too much. And you want, you do, you as you get more into this position, you realize you don't want to get high off your own supply. You know, you don't want to be, you're trying to set an example and not be belligerent as you're going out. And I know there's those special occasions where you're, you know, right. things happen. Have them. That's okay. But most of the time it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to get crazy, especially, you know, because you're going into accounts where they want to, they want to like you and you want them to love you. So you don't want to be disrespectful in their accounts. You don't want to get too drunk. And, and that was, that was as a bartender, when I would see brand ambassadors and I was like, you should go home. You should really go home right now. <laughs> don't go anywhere else. Yeah. Go home, go home. Yeah. I'm telling you this just for your own good. You shouldn't go to any other accounts. Yeah. You're a good, you're a good man. Gemma, is there any lessons you learned? Like you wish you that somebody taught you before or trained you on it. And you're like, oh, why did I do that? That is definitely one that I learned pretty fast as well. You know, you feel like you have to drink at every place that you go, to, especially when you're building relationships. Sometimes mm. it's not like in for one drink. You have to sit and kind of like scope out the place and figure out who, who's in charge and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's much more efficient ways of finding that information than having three drinks at the bar. So that was something that I learned that, what would be more efficient? Wasn't taught. Yeah, instead of sitting at the bar, like what would you do instead? The, the other way. So it's um and, and this is different for every company as well. So depending on which company you work for, they'll they'll kind of guide you in a certain direction. And I think I was I was guided a little bit more in the like be everybody's friend, be friends with everybody, and eventually the cases will come, you right. know, like it takes a long time for that to happen versus find out who the sales rep is, find out what time they, they meet with the, the buyer, go in and meet with the buyer and shake their hand in the middle of the day, not have a drink with them. Yeah. And then come back at a different time that you've already made those key relationships mm -hmm. in a, a, a more kind of professional way, I yeah. suppose. And then you can come back in and, and make friends with everyone else at that stage. That was yeah. a big learning for me. Oh, it, took, it actually took quite a long time to get to like put all the pieces together that this is more effective to do it this way. Mm -hmm. No, that's a huge learning. Like being productive is and learning how to create a productive week. Like when I was training, I trained in brand ambassadors. Like I, I haven't like create like what's your plan for the week? Like what is your plan? Like sit down and have a goal. What's your goal for the week? Like I'm gonna hit you know these accounts and what's your goal in each account? I I want to just. I've never been there before. So I'm going to go in and scope out what the back bar is and what they're doing. So I know like the conversation when I do meet the buyer and find out who the buyer is and, and same thing, maybe find out who the sales rep is and whatever it is. Like mm -hmm. have a goal. Like, Oh, if I go here, I'm, I know Freddie's working on this day. So I'm going to have the conversation with him about the menu placement. Like, so it's like looking at your week and where you're going to go rather than just wandering. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, cause that can happen. Suddenly you just know you've been out for days and you're like, I didn't get anything accomplished, but I have lots of receipts. But I drank at every bar. <laughs> I drank at every bar. <laughs> that relate not to that conversation, but no, that's a really good point. Like getting those sales reps so you can know when they're going to meet the bar and saying, Hey, 
I don't need a whole day of work with. I just want to come meet you at two yeah. to meet with this person. Game. So that, yeah. that's, that's a really. Because ultimately they're the one taking the order. Yes. You know, they're the one pulling the trigger at the end. So if they're, if you're not, you don't know who that person is. You're, you're just, you're like, it's an uphill battle at that stage. Yes. No, absolutely. And then you're just wasting time. You're just sitting there, you're going night after night and you're just talking to the same bartender or a different bartender and you haven't met the one person you really mm-hmm. need to know. Um, so it does, but it does take a while. Like I try to sometimes explain to brands, I'm like, it might take three or four visits before I actually, like, if you don't know the sales rep, you don't have that reputation, mm-hmm. like that relationship with them yet. Cause sometimes sales reps just ignore you. Yeah. <laughs> right? They're like, yeah, I don't know who you are and I don't want yeah. you to be my buyer. Uh, but that's actually, you know, something that I make sure because especially being new to Cal or brand new again to California and coming back to where, you know, when I left the market, I did work with Southern and Young's market here a lot. So I was very familiar with the sales reps and still, still see them on the, on the floor and on the ground and everywhere. Uh, but, um, I came back and I was like, I want to be involved in GSMs. I want to get involved with them and I want them to see my face and know that they can call on me. And when they see me out, that they can use me. And so, you know, I, I love doing GSMs where people are always like, why? And I was like, because it's my only chance that I can actually talk it's shit to the sales rep. A yeah. general sales a general meeting. general sales right? meeting. Yes. For anybody yes. who's watching. Yeah. Um, KPIs, by the way, we didn't explain. Key performance indicators. They have, How do they yes. measure your performance? No, but GSM, but, but no, to, this is important. Yeah. Tell it's me, very important. You, and how it's do, uh, How do you work the GSM? How do you, how do you like work it? Like, how do you network? I, I work the room. I mean, it's, it's yeah. you know, because I tell them, put your phone down, look at me, I'm talking to you. And if I see them on the phone, I usually stand next to them and I'll make some wise ass remark and <laughs> make people laugh. And then I'll just say, what did I say? I'm here to help you sell this product. I don't want you. I'm like, you know, because most of my brands are heritage brands. So we're not going anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. we're not wasabi vodka. We're not going to disappear. We're not going to go around. I know that you have a huge portfolio and you have a lot to look after. Just pay attention for five minutes. You know, I'm giving you this time because you're never, you may never see me again. And because also, you know, we have chains, we have our regular sales reps, we have, you know, so I got to talk to all on, off chains and make sure that they just know that I'm here. I'm in market. They can lean on me and, and just giving them that information. It's like the next day I get a bunch of emails. Oh, thanks for that. Let me, I have an account. And I'm like, I always tell them the same thing that you just said. Just let me know where it is. I'll drop in. You don't need to go in with me. You don't need to make an introduction. I can introduce myself. Um, it's actually better if I am by myself because I don't want to be like with Michael Cohen as I go into this account. You know, and they're like, yeah. great, here comes the rep. You know, yeah. and that's and because we know how that is being behind the bar. It's like, oh, right, here comes our reps, and they here brought somebody the with them. Again. Yeah, you know, it, you know. So, so there's there's ways. How that do I you go establish about your authority with them? Because if they don't know you, because the biggest thing I know that reps have is that. They're, well, they're, if, it, if they're worried that you're not as talented as they as they might like think, so they they're like, well, you're the whiskey investor. How do I know? Like until I went on Bar Rescue, they were like, they didn't know how to explain me, and they were like, <laughs> oh, she's from Bar Rescue, and then that that's all the explanation they need and counts one on the scene. As sad as that is, as pathetic as that is, that was my explan- That was their explanation. So for you as the whiskey ambassador, like, do you have to be like, well, this is my years of experience. Like, do you, did you send them a, a bio? I mean, so, sometimes, I mean, I don't, I don't ever tell them any bar experience at all, unless they ask, you know, cause okay. I don't want to, my biggest thing as a bartender is having people critique the way that I bartend. So. No, no, no. I mean like the reps, like, cause Gemma, you, oh. you're a gorgeous, beautiful blonde. And you're coming in as this whiskey rep. And I'm sure some of the old school whiskey uh, like sales reps are like, really? 
you know about whiskey. Well, that that was that was the thing for me. So like, <laughs> like coming, that, like just so, yeah. talking over yeah. the top of me, the like mansplaining. <laughs> yeah, the mansplaining so, that just happened. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a uh, that's just something that you have to do with. And well, how do, do you have your authority? Like, how do they know? No, they they know as soon as you start speaking and and you know if it's a staff training or if if it's a five minutes with a buyer and you get you get a chance to explain and they they are actually listening to what you're saying then they know they know that you're legit and that you're educated and whatever but um you know everybody judges we all do it we we don't like to think that we do it but everybody does it so I try to not like take it you know too much to heart um and try to get to know the sales reps as well like I want to know about them if I'm going to work with them I want to know what their kids names are and like what what they like to do at the weekends and be personable with them because they see so many brand ambassadors over and over and over and they get sick of doing these work with and they're they're just they they are burnt out from having to take someone around all the time so Mm -hmm. um it's kind of like as an ambassador it's on us as well to make their experience a little bit better and you know like be gentle with them as well because we know that that they're doing it constantly like they might have three more brand ambassadors in their car this week so right and getting in work with and we're all working for the same thing we all want the same thing so we can work together no that that's great and um i like the fact that you work the gsm because it is it is important and you don't always get to do a presentation up front so you're saying you work the room because I'm assuming you don't get to. Do- yeah, well, because like when, when you talk about going into accounts or anything or making that relationship with the sales rep, most of the time in our markets, we have a Perno specialist. So the Perno specialist already has the relationship. So when I go in there, they're like, oh, you Tim just send you in. Oh, that's the guy. He explained who you are. All right, cool. Um, and and it's, it's usually, yeah, there's usually that buffer zone or someone comes in. But there are places that I do cold call and I'll go in and I'll just slowly explain like like she said the, i'll just do the pitch i'll talk to them about the brands and i'll also talk to them about other brands because the geek in me will be like all right so you have such and such mm-hmm. do you have these ones did you do this ones how come you have so many space sides and no isla or or you know i'll just read it and they'll be like oh yeah no <laughs> it's, i think it's yeah. really important that knowing your category so you understand what the competitors are and what you're doing so you can have that conversation with them so they know that they, you appreciate the category. You're not, you're not just about your brand. And yeah. that you also, exactly. you, you know there's a gap in their portfolio that you can help enhance. And it's not just, I'm going to try to jam this product into no, the yeah. car and it doesn't really fit here. And I'm, I, But if they know that you're like, no, I, all right, you, you get my bar. You get my concept. And you're not just trying to sell me something that has no place to be here. Like this actually could be an enhancement to where I am. Exactly. I mean, a, a good example is like Redbreast because I go into bars and I'm like, so your Irish whiskey list just says Irish whiskey. It doesn't say single grain, single malt, blend, single pot still. And you have nothing but blends. You don't have any single malts. You don't have any single pot still. So how does this reflect on your whiskey category? And they're like, oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say most of them, a lot just are like, oh, well, I never really thought about that, but right. I thought it was just all one. Yeah. So it, it, it starts a conversation, which is great. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure so it helps you, you also, maybe you can offer to also develop their list. Like, Hey, I'll help you break it down for you. I'll do, I'll do the. Uh, absolutely. And that's fun stuff. That's the fun. That is the fun <laughs> stuff. That's when we really get to show our um, acknowledge. I was going to say, and the one other thing before, because where are we? We have a few more minutes. I think we're um, good too. You guys work really well with the brand teams. 
Like you work, you work with your brand team. So did you always, with every job you've ever had, like brands, did you always work directly with the brand teams or? For, I had a few different versions right. of, of, of different roles. Um, the first BA job I had was a big team. So right. there was lots of brand ambassadors and I felt very much part of, like I said, it was, it was, uh, was William Grant and it was a family kind of atmosphere. But it definitely felt like a, a a brand ambassador world, I suppose, as opposed to like a brand world. I don't know right. if I'm explaining that right. No, no, no. Where so you were, if you I, were, I look at it now, um, the position that I'm in now, although we have other ambassadors as well, that that we're, we're all very close and the same. It's like a feels like a family. I have much more visibility in, and actually the whole team. We all have visibility as to numbers, how we're getting those numbers um planning out like fiscal years in advance all of the scary stuff that mm-hmm. I never understood years ago when I first started um also because I didn't really have eyes on it then and I, I didn't know what questions to ask because right. I didn't have the information so um with each kind of job that I took along the way I learned a little bit more about the the you know the overall brand process and luckily now my brand manager used to be a brand ambassador so I think that is a great thing for us because I think a lot of times brand managers that don't have BA experience I think um and not, not to quote everyone with the same brush but I think when you come from a brand ambassador background you see the value in it. Yeah. You see the value of brand ambassadors and how impactful they can be. And if you don't come from that world, you might look at them like this massive expense right. that you can't really quantify what, what they're doing. So luckily so you for find us, yourself, that, you're, you're working with them. No, it's, it's such a great point. And, and it's so great that your brand manager appreciates that because they understand the value you're bringing. So as a brand ambassador, if they want to get to know their brand manager, like one of the things I always recommend is like, you know, ask them like, hey, can I sit in some meetings? Um, mm-hmm. Can I get to know a little bit more about like what your what your job and what your goals are? Um, and so that maybe when I'm in the streets, I can help you. Like I can see things like competitive information yeah. or I can see pricing. So I can give you back knowledge and I can kind of be your eyes and ears for you if I understand exactly. you progress so it's yes yeah, so the more the more information that for us I think that that the, our little team we're we're constantly like loving each other because we're like this is great this is we we've got so much information but we also know what is expected of the brand yes coming from the very very top we know what's expected because we we are given the information on a regular basis. This is what we this is what we need to achieve. These are the numbers that we need to hit. This is what we think the plan might be of how mm-hmm. we're going to achieve all of this. And because we have eyes on that information, then we can, as a team, we can all work together properly instead of being like, "You're the brand ambassador. This is your job in this little box." Yeah. And then we are the PR company, and that's your box. And you stay right. in your box. No one communicates. We're all in it together. No, I think that, we're I think sharing information. It makes you also feel part of like it, you're all responsible. So you're all working together. And it's like you you probably feel more like this is my brand. Yeah, like I want to help achieve their goals. I'm going to help this brand manager hit their targets because 
they respect what I'm doing and they're including me and, you know, you're working together. It's like, well, that's not, if you have me doing this thing, it's not going to help us get there. Mm-hmm. So you can have that honest conversation. Like if somebody asks you to do something stupid and you can be like, this person wants me to do this thing, like, but it's not going to hit allow us to hit that target because I'm sure you get asked random requests sometimes. And it's like, if your brand manager has your back and be like, no, that's not part of our target. That's not going to help yeah. us. So um, I think that's really great. And, and Dominic, do you work with your, any, I you work with multiple brands. So do you <laughs> work with any of the? Um, yeah. And I mean, a, a couple of the brands have the same brand manager. Uh, and I would say since we went from, you know, since I've been with Pernod now for four years, the first two years were with an agency with legacy. Um, so we had our direct manager that dealt with our brand team. Right. Now that we've been brought in house, um, we do have more access to the brand team. And in fact, about they, they've been starting to work with us more. So now they're bringing us into meetings. They realize that we do have a lot of great things to say and to add. And also we're friends with a lot of our, our brand managers. So um, there is like, you know, within our work, we have to like, I have to address my manager who then addresses them before I can go around them. But they still reach out to me on like a text and be like, hey, what do you think about this? So I do have access to them. We do talk and we've all been working together for a long time. So some of them have even gone to another brand, but are still in house. So um, yeah, yeah, we do work together with them. And it's great. I would say within my BA history, it's probably been more so with Pernod than any other brands. No, I, I think that I think that's great. It's, it is the ideal way of, of working. So uh, one of the last questions is, all right, so what are some of your anxieties about being like every brand ambassador, we have anxieties, right? Like you are, or, or are these jobs so perfect? Like being a brand ambassador, like for me, I always felt like my anxiety was like, I wasn't working hard enough because sometimes your job is just like so nice. Like, you're just like, you're out there, you're working with accounts, you're doing whatever. And you're like, I get paid to do this. Like, am I doing enough? Do they know what I'm doing? Like, am I reporting enough? Like, are they going to be like one day going, well, she's not doing anything, even though you're working really hard. That was my own like stupid anxiety. Do you have any anxiety? Like Gemma, like worries? I feel like everyone has that anxiety. Like, no matter what your job is, I think. Well, not everyone. Obviously, some people think that they're wonderful, but most people, I would say, think like the same thing, especially in a corporate setting, because you there's so much going on all the time that you're like, am I? Do people know what I'm doing? Especially when you're working from home 100% of the time now. Um, and you have to have the, the trust then in, in your team. Everybody has to trust each other to know like nobody's slacking. Nobody's having to like, pick up after someone else because you, you you learn that really quickly if somebody actually isn't working you you would know you would be getting like snarky emails or texts or whatever um so but I think that's just that's just like wanting to be the best right you want yeah. not not necessarily the best in the business but the best version of yourself and it's a good thing anxiety is good in a certain degree right to push you on to, to keep you like motivated but you don't want too much of it you don't want to be like debilitating anxiety that you can't actually turn your computer on because you have too many unread messages yes so, no, uh, and also like you know if you were not you had a big night the night before and you you know you slept until 10 because you're like then you're like oh my god did i sleep too long like i should have but it's like you 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 went to bed at three in the morning because you had some big event and you just worked your ass off and you know mm-hmm. and you should 
be able to get a proper night's sleep so that you can do your job. Like you were working, like, you know, I don't, it's just weird. Like it's a weird job. And sometimes there is that weird anxiety. Cause then you got those texts from your boss and you're like, I was just, I only went to bed at three cause I was working the event until three and like, you know, and, and, but you shouldn't feel that anxiety and a good boss would let you know that. Um, yeah, exactly. Dominic, do you have any, like, is there anything? Well, I mean, for me, the anxiety I think comes from not being out and not being around my accounts and not being able to see everybody and, and like worrying about Sacramento and San Diego and Los Angeles and San Jose and like not being able to get to, you know, now we're closing here on, on the sixth. So there's the anxiety, you know, I, I think it's more because of what's going on. Um, and of course, yes, I'm very worried about our positions, but more so because we are the faces and we are the soldiers for our brands that are on, you know, with these accounts as much as we can be. Um, the, the anxiety is a lot of them are closing and it hurts. Yeah. Uh, so I'm seeing some dear friends that are losing some of their dreams. Um, so I'm trying to fight. And I think that anxiety is coming from, from like trying to help as much as I can. And, and, you know, and, you know, right now it's, it's hard for like me to go into an account and say, so, uh, you know, I got this new whiskey you should, uh, don't buy a case. You should just take a bottle if you can't, yeah. you know, yeah. but even then it's not even, I really don't want to, I want to help them go through what they have. Yes. And if they can order again, great. If not, let's just keep making money for them and, and helping them out. And even like, I mean, another anxiety is some of these people that don't have jobs and making sure that they're taken care of and that they still are all right. And, you know, I have a lot of friends in this situation. So I have a lot of anxiety from this. Yeah, it's no, just in this thing. Right there's a lot of anxiety. We're out. worried. We're worried about it. I mean, I'm going gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, this is only die here. Um, you know, it's like, no, there is that constantly worried. I can't even imagine trying to go into an account and you're like trying to ask them to buy something <laughs> in. You're like, yeah. And that's another thing. It's right. You know, I'm worried about Gemma and being around other people and what's going on. It's like, I I have two masks on all the time. I'm like, yeah, I know. Bring everything I have. For those of you who don't know, Gemma's about to have a baby in January. Yes. So yes, yes. It's yes beautiful she is. Thing. And so, you know, that's another thing. It's like, I keep my distance and, you know, sometimes you do get a little loose, but you're, you know, most of the time I'm around people that I really know well. And even if it's my reps or my, I know that we've been, and they also have children too. So I know that they're very, yeah, attentive to what's going on. Um, but that that's a big anxiety. Too. No, that's definitely a big anxiety. And I wasn't even thinking, I, I was so funny. It's like, it's for me, it's like such a normal thing. It's like COVID, it's anxiety and, and all that stuff is going on. But it's a very good point. It is. It's so much stuff going on. It's like, uh, it's just a very strange year. And I'm looking forward to 2021. So are we. So are you. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> all right. So last words of advice for anybody who's uh let's let's pretend the world is normal and like it's next year and like you know uh we're going back to normal times and somebody wanting to become a brand ambassador um any any words of wisdom like they just became a brand ambassador and you're like oh somebody told me like i don't know like do your expenses what, what would it be like i think even before that i think before they've even got the job you should you should love the brand that you work for yes that's it for me that's a big thing I think a lot of people are like it's a job and and obviously in this climate a job's a job yeah take the job <laughs> start making money but if you uh if you work for a brand that you're not your heart's not in it it's your job is to be in love with your brand and mm -hmm. to make other people fall in love with it and you can't do it genuinely people won't take you seriously if if they know that 
you're not fully invested in that brand. Absolutely. Um, so that would be the the first thing. And get your expenses in on time. I need to do that today. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Dominic, any any All right. Well, I would say if well before you take the initial job, just make sure that you love the industry enough because you're going to see a different side from what you're used to seeing behind the bar or in the bar. Cause I know not everyone from behind the bar takes BA roles. It's now being open to a lot of people, but I would just say that you love the industry. You love that. You're not going to be in every world famous cocktail bar around. You're going to be in the middle of bumfuck California, Idaho, wherever you may be at beautiful restaurants and bars, great accounts and wonderful people. And you always have to be open to this. You can't be such a pig head. You know, you, you know, some people can be very too, and I went through this, so I understand you can be kind of snobby about what you, where you came from and what you know, but you have to be open to everybody's point of view and you have to be, you have to love the brand, like she said, and know everything about it. How was it developed? What's the history of it? What's the heritage? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that you just really, because I think the more time you spend behind the bar, you have more experience because like I said, if you are going to start doing it, start part-time. You don't need to go full-time because you may be like, oh, oh man, I miss being behind the bar. Because once you're out from behind that bar, you don't get to go on trips anymore. You don't get to get picked up by other brands and taken right. out to lunches. You're, not, you're, you're now 100% part of your brand. So yeah. everything stops for you. So enjoy being behind the bar. But also, if you do take the job, just just Take your time with it. Don't don't party too much and take pictures of your receipts. And drink lots of water. <laughs> yeah, drink and take pictures Get one of, of your receipts. Drink lots of water. Yes, and drink, drink lots and of drink water. Drink lots of water. But I think that's a great point. You have to. Re- you will. People are no longer be kissing your ass. You're gonna be kissing their ass. Yeah. And, and all your friends that own bars, just because they love you, doesn't mean they're gonna take your brand in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So be be patient and just understand that. So guys, thank you so much. And thank you for doing this twice. Uh, and I'm going to take this once the recording comes in and put it up on Facebook. So, um, but this is amazing. So I think this is even better the second time around. Uh, and it's good to see both of you, but go enjoy your Friday. If I don't see you before the holidays, have an amazing holiday and a little baby coming soon Very yeah. oh, thank you so January. much this has been wonderful um thanks for having us it's and a pleasure and give the love to the family please and happy holidays you too merry christmas thank you, yeah, you too. bye bye thank you for tuning in again this is your host elaine duff i hope you enjoyed this week's episode of celebrating the brand ambassador if you did please do me a solid hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts leave an excellent review and share on your social media. Also follow me at Duff on the Rocks to tune in to the live version of these shows every other week on Facebook and say hi or get a question answered by one of our guests. Lastly, if you want to learn more about my online Brand Ambassador Academy or to sign up for one-on-one coaching, head to my website, DuffOnTheRocks.com or BeverageBA.com. Until next time, this girl is out. And an ice cold martini is calling my name. Cheers, everyone.